You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of Future Friday. I'm your host, Tom May. It's been quite some time since I put out an episode. That's because my band, The Menzingers, has been in the studio and in our rehearsal space writing and recording a new record. And we're fucking done. It feels so good. Uh, I love the songs. I love the recordings. I really cannot wait to share it with everyone and, and see how everybody feels and, and do another couple couple runs around the world with it. Um, thank you very much to everybody who reached out with a resume for audio and visual help on the podcast. I did not expect such an overwhelming response, and it was overwhelming to say the least. I'm uh, still catching up on it. And now that I'm back from the tour I did with Roger in the UK and our record is done, I'm ready to dive right in. So I really, really appreciate you guys sending that out to me. Thank you so much. Today's guest is Nick Harris. Nick plays guitar in Slaughter Beach Dog and All Dogs. Nick tours with the Menzingers as the guitar tech. Uh, we were roommates for years. We've toured together and played together a million times. We've spent countless uh, evenings and days and meals and all kinds of things together, and I love Nick to death. Uh, I asked Nick to come on today to talk about alcohol, because Nick has been off the sauce for about a year and a half, and I just jumped into a 90-day no-booze pack with my friend Roger Harvey. Um, we get into it a bit in the episode as to why, but mostly it's because it was a really long winter. Um, this recording the record was a, a little bit stressful, and I found myself getting a little loose. And I'm getting older, and hangovers are just really starting to suck horribly, <laughs> as I'm sure most of you know. Um, I've had a complicated relationship with alcohol for 20 years now, and thinking about that and realizing that I've been uh, drinking for twice as long as I wasn't drinking, um, realized that it kind of, you know, put things into a little bit of a newer perspective. So uh, we, we talk a bunch about drinking on this episode. We also talk about uh, mental health and general wellness mm, in general, and we posted some of the resources that we've used on the episode's webpage at futurefriday.net. Uh, without further ado, here's Nick Harris. All right, here we go. Nick, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so yeah. much for coming on the podcast. We've known each other for so long, and we've been through so much, and roommates. I can't wait to talk about it. We were roommates for such a long time. Been all over the world together. Yeah. Yeah, we've been through some, been through some stuff. We have. I'm yeah. just going to uh, write subtle criticisms of yeah, each of us on this paper while we're, while we're doing this. You're going to need cool. a second page for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Cool. I was uh, uh, wondering, maybe we could talk about how we met. So you're still in my phone as Nick Rooney from, from yeah, so about 10 years ago. I'm trying to remember exactly how we met. So there's, I'm sure there was a time that we met, but then there's a second story of uh, the time that I knew we were going to be friends. Like, okay. So I think me and Andy Clark and Scotty and our buddy Matt were in a band that sounded exactly like Lifetime and Hot Water Music. So we were like throwing punk shows. and Just ruining. Yeah. Yeah. And we were throwing punk shows in Trenton, and uh, which is where we all grew up. That's the first place I remember meeting you guys is a Mill, Mill Hill, Hill basement. Yeah. yeah. So there is a picture. I remember that was like when I start, like actually started drinking. Like... I, yeah, I was, no I was, shit. I was kind of come like, full circle. Yeah, I was kind of like a late bloomer in that. In that, uh, this is about 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, 11 years. Damn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I drank a little in high school and stuff, but that, like, when I we started doing shows at the Mill Hill was when I started like really going for it. So the memories of that night are fuzzy. The only picture I remember from that night is there's a picture of. 
Greg Barnett standing at the top of the steps at the Mill Hill and me just hugging his leg. <laughs> and it probably was like 12 minutes after we met. Uh, but then the night, so that is definitely when we first met. But the night that I remember being like, okay, like these are going to be like our people was we had a show fall through on some awful tour that we were on. And, uh, I think it was Knoxville, Tennessee. It was. And Andy Clark had texted you because he saw you guys were playing there and it made sense. And so we jumped on the show and I think we might have been the only two bands there. Uh, no, there was like... Captain were singing? No. No, just... Just like a couple people couple from Captain from, yeah, who, yeah. who were coming back from being part of the cleaning crew on Bonnaroo. That was what it was. And they had a bunch of acid <laughs> uh, that they had like found while they were cleaning up. And I remember that night, there's two occasions in my life where... I found myself at parties that looked like parties that Hollywood writers had written. Yeah, like what uh, when you go like what the UK thinks every American uh, yeah. high school party is. Red like, cups can't everywhere. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah, people making out all over the place. That just somebody's on acid. That was like that. Though. That was that, like that. That, that. My one of my scenes I remember most from that night was besides the acid and everybody running around like maniacs. Yeah. Was that giant man with a huge beard? Emerson. Emerson was his name. He picked up the entire fire pit while it was flaming Lit. and moved it for us yeah okay so that happened uh he was roasting beers like he was like putting unopened pbrs on the on the grill i remember someone was like getting a haircut it was it looked like it was like a prodigy <laughs> was getting it was like a prodigy music video yeah but funny story amanda knows the people who ran that house and knows Emerson. Wow. For context, Amanda is. Amanda is my wife. Yeah. Current wife. Uh, and uh, it was so funny because she was like, oh, it was in Knoxville? Yeah, I know Noah and Emerson. Yeah. And we were just back in Kentucky, which is where Amanda's from. And uh, her friend was like passing through. It was like around the holidays. And he was like, yeah, like Emerson's the person that like got me into music. That's like, incredible. And I was like, it's so funny because he had all these amazing things. And Emerson was a great host, but I just remember him like shirtless or with like a Hawaiian shirt open mm. and just like carrying fire. Carrying fire around. Breathing. He, he was breathing fire. He was. Yeah. Well, Prometheus Emerson rolling around the yeah. party. That was, that was a wild night. That was the last night of the tour that we were on. I don't even remember right now which tour it was. That I, was I think that was like your Broadway calls. Oh, on our way back. Yeah, and that was wow. like your first full U.S. That was the first time we went to the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, so that was actually 2010. That? Really? If it, if it was that tour, but it could have been, might have been, if the Holy Mess was there, then it would have been our first fest tour. It wasn't, the Holy Mess wasn't there. Been a little longer. Maybe we had split with them. We'll have to, we'll get to the bottom. Yeah, There's we'll get, been a lot of tours. Yeah. But, but yeah. it's funny you mentioned that you first started drinking when you, when you met us, because uh, one of the things that you and I are going to be talking about today was... Drinking. Drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, uh, I'll probably say something in the intro that I'm going to record after you leave. Okay. But uh, I'm doing 90 days off of the alcohol for the first time since I was probably 12. How, how far in are you? I uh, stopped on Sunday, Saturday. How do you feel? I feel weird. Yeah. I feel weird already, and that's why I stopped drinking. Uh, but I feel, you know, I feel pretty good to not wake up with a hangover for the first time in a while. That's that's like one of the biggest catalysts for me not drinking was that. There's several, but the the hangover was yeah, that's the, the kicker, man. And I, anybody yeah, listening yes. to this, I'm assuming is going to be a fan of of of, uh, of our band, the Menzingers, and we love drinking, and people who come yeah. to see our shows love drinking, and that's uh, it's all a very complicated and and uh, uh, interesting relationship to have. I think that in general, and for better or for worse, but 
and I did, it just happens that I really, I wouldn't say that I started drinking, but like I really started drinking around the time that we met. Um, but it wasn't like, this, it, is, it, this it, is correlation, not correlation. Cor- yes, exactly. <laughs> like I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming anyone. Uh, uh, I think there are some people in my life that looking back on it could probably definitely blame us for their. Yeah, I'm proud. I'm Maybe sure it would have happened later in life, you know? Yeah, but, but uh, I'm sure that there's people that could also blame me for it, too. Yeah. Absolutely, um, for sure. But I do think that particularly the Philadelphia music scene around, you know, like 2009, 2010, like when the people that ended up being like our greater group of friends all all moved here, that music scene, and I'm sure that there were similar ones happening all over the place and years before, but... Uh, the normalization of just getting drunk. like Yeah, there was a time where it wasn't, uh, I said this before in another podcast, I think, there wasn't like, who's, are we going to drink tonight? It was like, who's drinking tonight? Yeah. So and you'd get out of work and bring a case of beer home, yeah. not like a six-pack. You'd show up with a 24-pack and be like, all right, here we go. Yeah. It's in it. And, it. and so, like, you know, you can't, like, I absolutely have a problem with alcohol, and I don't blame a single person in the world for it aside from, you know, and it's not even something you have to blame yourself not for. Not like you know? the, you're, because your great grandfather wronged people exactly. and then changed your genes and it came down here and the souls of those people were back, back to get you. Well, that I actually do. That actually, yeah. uh, but we'll no, about that later. Uh, I do think that, uh, when you don't realize that you have the allergy or, you know, the, the, the gene in you, that's gonna make it. So you do have a huge problem with alcohol and, uh, being around people that I wouldn't say encouraging, but it is, like I said before, it's just like such a normal thing. Like exactly like you said, it's like, and so, you know, you don't realize that like in the same city, there's groups of kids in graduate hospital. They're like, we're going to go wild tonight. And they drink two IPAs and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is the craziest. And it's like, no, like that's, that's not what it was like. You know, like there was never, and moderating, moderating it, like in moderation with alcohol or, you know, drugs or anything like that, uh, it's just like not, it took me a long time to realize that it's not something I can do. Like it's not, sure. you know, and, uh, and there's nothing, I, I do want to jump out and say that there's some, not many things in life that are more annoying than listen to people talk about their temporary recent or permanent sobriety for sure (laughs) and i also do i also want to throw that out there that like i'm not this is all just about my experience exactly the whole purpose of this is to try to get people to feel better about their relationship or an exploration about things that people in our scene don't usually talk about yeah uh you know not to be preachy or in any way to tell someone how to live their life because I have no fucking idea no. how you should live your life. I know you should be nice to people. Yeah, be good to and, people. Uh, you should golden try rule. to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah the golden rule. The golden rule. You got that guy got one thing right. Yeah, you know? lay golden, it all, lay it all out there. The golden rule. But yeah, I'm not but, like I'm not like a counselor. I have no, you know, don't. I'm an idiot. So yeah. like you know. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not agreeing that you're an idiot because I. It's don't okay. Think it's that. okay. But uh, but I agree that I feel the same way about myself in this regard. Like uh, I think that if you have a serious drinking problem, that it's a, there's some things that you could tell when you have a problem. It's like. Is your normal life? I've considered myself an extremely high functioning uh, alcoholic, alcohol yeah. user, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I stopped before; I'm stopped right now. Yeah, uh, I don't like miss my nephew's events for sure because I'm drunk, but I have in the past. Yeah, uh, I don't like uh, the idea of building up your life, playing in a rock and roll band, and working in rock and roll. Uh, is that? 
part of it is kind of like the dance monkey dance. You're expected to be a wasted moron, For sure. And which you could fake, and some people do fake. Yeah, but and they do a great job. They do, but, but also at the same time, wonder or not whether or not I've set my life up this way. Yeah, so it's and like so I chose this path and have these expectations of myself and have these social expectations that I can totally drop fucking four hits of acid and drink a case of beer right now. And go play and a show. And not going to matter. Yeah. Like, it's expected of me. There's no, like... Sure, some people... I mean, my girlfriend Beth Ann would be pretty pissed to come home and find sure. me tripping balls yeah, for the I, next two days. I think, I think that, like, you know, if you had gone back and seen a video of you playing when you take four hits of acid and drank a case of beer, you'd be like, oh, I probably could have, you know, probably could have done that a little bit better. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, you know, done a better job. Yeah, but... And I also think that the the picture... And I don't know if it's because we can get into like the whole history of my relationship with alcohol if you want. But uh, I don't know if the picture that I painted of what someone with an alcohol problem looks like had been altered by the fact that I spent so many years and continue to in a music scene that does normalize drinking. So it's like for years I was like, I don't have a problem because I'm not like waking up next to the empty bottle of vodka being like, Oh my God, what happened? And I'm, and the biggest thing for me was that I justified it by saying, I don't drink every day. Like, and I, I wouldn't get like the shakes or anything like that if I didn't drink every day. But when I, when you step back and look at it, you know, like it's not just because you don't drink every day. The fact is that when you do drink, you're drinking, you know, 12 gin and tonics and you're doing six shots of tequila and it's like, oh, it's okay. I'm just, it's, you know, this is only happening, you know, three times a week. And then, and then you think about it and you're like, oh no, this is fine. But then when you actually like really take a look at it, you're like, how that, that night doesn't end there. That night carries over to the next day. Yeah. And it makes, for me, this is all again, just me, but like, how can you ever expect yourself to be present or attentive or, you know, it, it stopped for me. It was stopping my ability to be able to like care about the people around me because of how involved I was and how shitty I felt all the time, you know, yeah. like, um, yeah. So I think that, uh, a lot of my definitions of what I would consider an alcoholic, I would alter them. So I didn't fit that. So yeah, like exactly. Fit that That's what I was about to say is yeah. that we kind of, Talking about our personal experiences with it and what we drank and how often we drank and stuff is like from the inside of it. Yeah. Uh, from being in this particular environment with this particular social group and uh, these things that have been normalized for us or whatever. And if you, the thing that got me really thinking a couple of years ago was there's a documentary on HBO that I, I highly recommend anybody watch. I don't remember what it's called. You should probably look it up. <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll put it in a link to it like in okay. the, in the uh, thing or whatever. But it, it gave a, a good break. It gave a breakdown of how which groups of people drink and how frequently. So there, yeah. And I realized that myself and all of my friends were in like the top, you know, fifth percentile of drinking. And we were all like, just because we drank, I mean, realistically, I want you go to the doctor's office and if you binge drink twice, you're the lie. Like how many beers do you drink a week? Ah, you know, I usually go out on the weekends. I'll probably drink like eight beers and you're right as well. No, I'll probably have like two a day Yeah, and then go for it on the weekend. And that's, uh, you know, that's just the, the again, just to talk about the, the tidbits of that, but realizing that overhead view of how much I actually was drinking compared to everyone else in the country, which is, we live in a country that's one of the highest drinkers in, yeah, the, in the world. Yeah, I would hate to see that I was like, statistic. Fuck. Yeah, it was, it was gnarly, man. It yeah. was gnarly. Uh, but it's just uh, so much. So then you wonder, why do you do that? Yeah, and I 
I've I've often wondered that. So like, um, I mean, a lot of it is definitely there's something that you're not if you're focused on being fucked up. And you know, for me, I've always been lucky that I was like a happy drunk. You know, like I was never. I mean, maybe I have. It's really hard to perceive in hindsight. Like, was I actually like that? But you know, like I was never like the or very rarely like the something's wrong. Oh, I need a fucking drink. It was like, I would get drunk and I'd be so happy because I would be so happy. I wouldn't be thinking about, you know, like my anxiety disorder or like being depressed and, you know, like all the real shit, like, or like all the stuff that you're just like fucking pounding into oblivion (laughs) and keeping it quiet. So you don't have to actually focus on it. And so I think that a lot of it is that like, um, that's why I drank. But since I was so like happy and viewed it as such a, a social, like a staple of a social situation, it was so easy to not, to just like shut up that little part of your brain when it was like, you're doing this because something's wrong and you don't want to focus on it. Yeah. And you could just be like, shut up. Here's another shot of tequila. Exactly. Um, well, why don't we backpedal a little bit and you, so you've been off the sauce for a year. Something like that. I don't, my, phone's, my phone's not on. I try, uh, I try not to be like a day counter. I know that works sure. for some people, you yeah, know. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, tr- I try not to. But just for focus. a point of reference to yeah, see it, like, what, so the what last, your life has changed in the, the last The last year. drink I had, I think, was the day before Christmas Eve. Not the most recent one, but the one before that. Yeah. So it's like about a year and a half. Nice. Like that, that. Yeah, it's a long, long ass time. That's a very long. What time. I, What I was thinking was what. So there's so many things that have changed. I'm sure you've told me before that you feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I notice every time I do a hiatus from drinking, which is normally only like a week. Yeah. Uh, but I did like 45 days one time with uh, with my friend, my dear friend, and uh, it, I noticed that after, for, after a week you feel really good, but then after a week you start to realize that the problems that you may have had weren't actually being caused by the drinking and that you still feel like shit. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, at least for me, removing the, the variable that you can blame it on allows you to confront those things with a much clearer head or with a, you know, just a little bit more clarity. For sure. And I'm like a very open about like I've been in therapy forever, like as long as I can remember. Even like when I was like, you know, doing a ton of drugs, drinking like a fish, still go to therapy. Yeah. Um, and so, so like, like talking like, therapy. Go yeah, and- yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that. Um, if I had not been in therapy when I stopped drinking, I probably would have started drinking again. Yeah. Um, so like I, luckily I have a really good therapist because you're right. Like the hard part for me was not the actual stopping of drinking. And like, I, I, I tour with you guys almost, almost every tour you guys go on. Yeah. At this point, every tour, except for, uh, yeah, there's like a couple here and there, but the, like being around alcohol, not hard. Like seeing people drink, not hard. Um, the hard part for me was never like the stopping drinking. And I don't, and I'm sure that other people have different experiences, but the hard part for me was A, dealing with all that shit that, and you're totally right. Like the problems are not caused by drinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, the hangover is caused by drinking. For sure. And, the and you know, there's always, right. like, the bruises and the, you know, we have a mutual friend broke their arm not yeah. that long ago. What was it, like, two, I remember, it was, like, two winters ago, two of our friends were walking, like, hand in hand and slipped on ice and one of them, like, <laughs> lost a fucking tooth. And yeah. And he was like, God damn. Yeah. And he's hammered as shit. And, like, there were, yeah. So, like, the problem is definitely 
not, for me at least, was not caused by alcohol. Sure, like, alcoholism does run in my family. And, like, you know, but again, I would justify by being like, I'm not an alcoholic. Like, I got this under control because I don't drink every day. And that was, like, the big qualifying factor for me. Yeah. Um, Whatever, like, the the excuse you can make of, like, because there's also the whole idea of, something that I don't fundamentally agree with from what I understand about 12-step meetings. I've been to a couple before mm-hmm. with friends who were uh, court-mandated from, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, getting caught with weed yeah, or DUI sure. or something like that. And they're like, hey, you want to go? And I'm like, that sounds fascinating. I want to go check it out. Yeah. Uh, the idea is, from what I understand, a complete surrender to a part of yourself or to uh, uh, some kind of, like, unarticulated genetic thing for sure uh, power, i know that there you're are powerless you're powerless so yeah. you have to be you know you have to like and i'm not sure that i want would want to go down that road you know what i mean like i don't well, want to be like well i can't there's a part of me that i absolutely can't control i think the negotiation of being like no listen every time i try this it doesn't work so i'm just gonna stop that yeah. makes so much sense to me yeah and i again like i didn't go down that route like yeah, i don't go sure, yeah, i don't yeah. go to meetings and you know i'm that's just for me i'm sure that if i ever came to a point where I was like really struggling and tempted to start drinking again, I would. Yeah. I have nothing also, against Also, just real it. quick, sorry, I just want to throw in them a pragmatist, and then if that w- works for you, and I'm also open to the idea, if that works for you, I don't want anyone to feel that I was dissing on Same. it. Same, yeah. Because if you get something that gets you to stop, and it just is a beautiful, wonderful thing, then fucking roll yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, it's, and, if, and whatever works to get you to a place where you feel better about yourself, you got to do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, as long as you're not, just you know, harm reduction. Of yeah, like, <laughs> for sure. Especially like harm to yourself and the people around you. Like, um, yeah. So I kind of forget where we were going. I'm sorry. Yeah. I cut you off. Sorry about that. It was about, uh, uh, we were talking about the change in. Oh yeah. So the, like the change in my life since I stopped drinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, the, the first one, the first like tipping point was that the hangovers were so brutal, like, because the things I liked and the thing is like, every, a lot of people have been like, oh, you could just have like one beer or, and not, no one in my life has been like ever pressuring me to start drinking again. But, um, you know, like certain people I've had conversations with. Perfectly opportune time to pull out a big old bottle of your favorite <laughs> whiskey and start drinking. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, I've had conversations with people who are like, why can't you just have like one beer or just like try it like that? And it's because that's never like the way that I liked drinking either. Sure. So like having a beer with dinner was like never my thing. It was either like, you know, I'd rather, even when I was drinking, it was like, I'm just not going to drink tonight. It's not like, oh, I'll have a beer. Because when I drink, it would be like, honestly, no joke, like 15 or 16 drinks. And so the hangovers that would come from that were like <laughs> ridiculous. And so... After, like, a while of, like, you know, Amanda moved from Ohio to Philadelphia so we could, like, you know, actually have, like, a real relationship. And I'm like, this person's making this huge sacrifice, and the days that I'm available to hang out, I'm just useless because I'm like, no, you know what, like, I drank. I drank a bottle of Frenette last night, and I'm just going to sit here and watch Six Feet Under again. Like, I, you know, like, so I think that, so that was the path that you saw that led to you to make the decision of being like, I can live a better life. So first of all, I guess we put it out there in the, into the open. Is your life better? My life is better. My life's way better. There are, and I'm still, you know, like, like you said, like the things that come up and you realize that it's not drinking that was causing these problems. I'm still dealing with all of that. Like I'm still dealing with like self-esteem issues and, you know, 
uh, like self-worth and depression and anxiety and stuff like that, that I'm sure that everyone to some degree struggles with. Um, and so dealing with that is really hard when you don't have, you know, it's like sleeping on a floor instead of sleeping on a mattress and like alcohol was the mattress. So it's like, yeah. now I'm sleeping on the, on the floor and I don't have this thing to fall back on. That's like, uh, you know, it's not, it, for me, it was like a pacifier where it was just like, or like a distraction from what was actually going on. So that sucks. Cause like dealing with like all, all the bad things that happen in your life, times that people could have treated you better, times you could have treated people better, they come back up and you have to talk about and relive a lot of these things that you weren't, you weren't present for, you know, like, cause you were fucked up. Yeah. So like that is hard, but I know that like, I'd rather be dealing with this stuff than not like to me. So that clarity of like, you know, even giving something a name makes it, or saying something out loud makes it so much less powerful and have so much less control over your happiness for lack of a better term. So then you get to allow it to leave your mind and yeah, soul. At least like, you, this, like journaling. Yeah. You like know what the enemy is, you know, yeah. like, so, um, Kim rally. Yeah. So that in that way, so like there, it's not like, is my life cause yes, my life is better. But I would say that there's a lot of complications that come with that yes answer. Totally. So it's not a cure all. It's def it's not a cure all. And in fact, it's like uh again, I don't go to meetings, I know nothing about AA or anything like that. But I think that and maybe this isn't an AA thing, but there's you know, like where they say something like, you know, when you started using whatever substance you started using, uh you're like stuck at that age. You know, interesting. Like, yeah. So like, it, I guess I could also reel back to the idea of, um, some of your anxieties, fears, and difficulties in relation interpersonal relationships, or just the things that you, the fears you don't even know why you have them can relate back to early traumas and early like sure. uh, modes of survival from when you're a kid. And that's and like a huge part of probably so why I try to you right into it. stuff like that. And so I think that, um, yes, my life is better and the ways that it's uncomplicatedly better. I don't go and spend 40 or $50 at the bar every night. I don't yeah. feel like shit every morning. I don't, well, I don't feel like shit from being hung over every morning. Yeah, right. I feel, I just feel like I'm never not going to feel like shit in the morning. And I think that unless you're camping maybe and you wake up and you hear oh, like a I, bird Tom, chirping I, or some shit. No, you know? even <laughs> that. I like sleeping in a nice bed. We're, uh, uh, yeah, we're right here at this two nights ago. So in this kitchen, if you're watching the video, walls like four feet away, bedrooms right above us. Woke up at three o'clock. I heard a clearly drunk man doing the drunk stumble along the sidewalk. And then I heard him crash into Ooh. the side of the house. And I looked out the window and I was in such a bad mood that I was just like, not today, my friend. Not today. Not today. Not today. I've come out and rescued so many drunks living yeah. here. I live next to uh, uh, Pat's and Gino's, a giant tourist destination Cheese in Steak South Vegas. Philly. Yeah, Cheesesteak Vegas. And there are lots of uh, drunk. It's like a you know a, a big pedestrian area with a bunch of drinking places and things like that. And there's a lot of drunk people oh, yeah. having heart-to-hearts. And <laughs> One time there was this poor guy... Um, passed out and his friend was like trying to get him to go and they're both speaking in Spanish and I went out there and tried talking to the guy and the guy was just like, fuck it 
He's like totally just like waving me, laughing, laying on the ground. <laughs> Ambulance came. They're like, "Oh no, hospital or casa!" And the guy was just like waving them away, and they're just like trying to pick him up by his hands and legs. See, even even that, like, I respect someone who knows what they want. Oh, you yeah, know, that like guy that. was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's great. He had to. Maybe he was celebrating. Yeah. You know? uh, so yeah, I I don't spend fifty dollars at the bar and end up like that anymore. Yeah. That's uncomplicatedly good. I. I like lost a bunch of weight. It's uncomplicatedly good. It I like is, that. you know, and uh, like I, I don't have like the. Yeah, like, you look great, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing when you don't drink and you just let stress and anxiety that you've been repressing for years come back up. You lose weight like a motherfucker. <laughs> just, uh, I believe it. Uh, I have a better. I'm like able to be more present and available to the people that mean things to me. You know, that are like super, the most important parts of my life. Like that's huge, man. I can be more direct and more you know like when i was drinking all the time i was amazed at how much i would say like maybe or like let me get back to you or let's figure it out like it's because i was like i don't know how hungover i'm gonna be the next day maybe i don't want to go to the museum or maybe like i don't want to go to the movies yeah but now it's just like yeah sure like i have no reason to not um it's so easy to to keep jumping back into the these justifications like we were talking about where you're kind of like well at least i did this or at least i did that yeah and the first thing reversion to the first thought of the hangover thing i was like well immediately went to the positive part when you're hungover with a group of people and there's that oh, that's so much fun yeah, right <laughs> that is, isn't that, that is, fun it's like the nice worst fun. experience but there's that camaraderie yeah it's like, for sure <laughs> it's like it's like coming home from war together exactly all five of you are at the art museum two people have yeah. their sunglasses on your yeah. friend keeps going to the bathroom to throw up. Yeah. But then you realize that you poisoned yourself. All yeah, the you've, done, you've done this all to this yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm able to be more present. Uh, and I don't know. I think that, like I said before, like I'm not so consumed with feeling like shit all the time. So I'm able to be more like considerate and not just like listen, but like understand what people around me are saying. And uh, yeah, so like, and then, there, but then there are definitely like, some complications and it's like social anxiety is probably the number one yeah so maybe we can put some fears to bed not to bed but maybe just talk about them yeah so personally for me on this 90 day run i'm like how am i gonna go to these i've been going to a lot of social events where i don't know people that well yeah. and uh one of those crutches has always been like well i'll just take a shot to queue before i leave the house and there you go yeah and then on the commute there i'll get there get a beer and it'll be fantastic um, a lot yeah. less scary and I'm thinking I'm going to something soon I'm like shit I don't fucking know these people it's gonna be I have to be me yeah. I'm not good enough and that's that's the whole thing is that it's and I over time I've kind of realized that like you're not you specifically mm-hmm. um, the the general the, you. the royal you yeah, the, the, the royal, peasant the you royal, yeah <laughs> uh, the surf you but we uh, you're gonna think about that about how socially awkward and nervous and stuff you are and how weird you're coming off way more than anyone else is. Yeah, as, as in life, I suppose. Yeah, and you know what else? I guarantee you that 95% of the people at that social gathering are going to be feeling the exact same way. Yeah. Um, but it's really... So, like, but yes, that always was the thing. I could go to any party, any show, any bar, and, you know, a couple drinks in... It's fine, you know, like you're just like shooting the shit, everything's super casual. But it's been really hard to find ways to interact with people who's and these are people that I love and I'm not I'm not uh belittling the foundation of our friendship or of like, you know, 
but it's like the the way that There's we no met judgment, the way that know? we met was being fucked up together yeah you of know course. so um it's hard to it's hard to eliminate that and still expect everything to be the same and so like the thing that i'm really working on now is a trying to like reach out to people to have social you know like be involved in social things that aren't related around alcohol. But that's like not terribly difficult. Like I I don't mind being around people drinking. I don't like that's I'm never worried that I'm like like Amanda keeps alcohol in the house sometimes. Like I'm never worried that I'm gonna like snap relapse or yeah, like you know yeah, like yeah. you know like I'm never like gonna go like running for a bottle. Yeah. Uh, There's the whole like uh I think I don't think that and when you go back to like it's not that hard to you know, reach out to the people or do fun things or whatever. I, there's like the Whole kind of meme and I just sound like an old man now. I just, I'm just going to roll with it and, 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 and own it. A whole meme kind of like uh, line-drawing cartoon culture of like, oh, I can't wait to go out tonight. And then shows them like in bed reading a book or whatever. Yeah, I don't yeah. think – while the, all that kind of relaxation, fun and stuff, I, I feel like uh, at least myself and I, you as well are the kind of people that kind of chase after a little bit of excitement. Yeah, I do. And our chosen paths and, and lifestyles. And I feel like so – It's not going to be that hard. And but the thing is that it, it it does become, it has become difficult to to for me at least to just like I guess like courage, just like find the courage to be like, hey, you like know that we're like bar buddies, and it's not like this with everyone. And like I do, I like I have, I'm very grateful for the people in my life. Like I do feel like my social interactions, like who I have them with, that list is like narrowed since I stopped drinking. And it's not, you know, nothing against the people that were like people that I would just go get fucked up with. But it is, there is like an isolating feeling about it where it's like, it, it does become easier to become that meme. Sure. Then, I mean, who wants to go? It, I love bars. Yeah. So much, and that's the other thing right? is that I Sitting still in love like a dark, bars. vibey place yeah. and talking about uh, extremely personal and or exciting shit with your friends. Or the opposite, where it's like playing awesome music and everybody's in a party vibe. The, yeah. Those two things are fantastic, but not easy to do or easy to plan or even comfortable to be in if you're not drinking. For sure. You're going to go in and spend five bucks on water like yeah. over two hours. And, and yeah, it just becomes exhausting. And like, I don't know, like the music, the music thing has become a little tough, uh, just like going to shows. Like I think that, I don't know if you relate to this, but as someone that like works in music and... Uh, even though it's your great band, I'm like forced to watch music so many nights of the year that like <laughs> when I get home from a tour, the last thing I want to do is go to a fucking show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not even from a jaded point. It's like, uh, all right, well, I've experienced this so much because we love music. Exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. Music. And I love music too. And so like I was, it, it's been hard for me to think about like, it's not like I feel like, okay, I can only go to straight edge shows. You know, like I love Earth Crisis, nothing against it, but like, you know, and it's not hard for me to go see like Guided by Voices, who entire band image is based around alcohol. Like that's not Can we hard. say, remember when we played the, they played the festival at Frankie's outside and they had two water horses just full of beer? Like, <laughs> not water horses, two like giant metal containers on saw horses. They're just completely full of beer and ice for like a, like a softball team. They have puke and piss buckets on stage a lot of the time <laughs> and but he writes a great he writes a good hook but, yeah fuck yeah uh the uh so like the, that has also become because you know like going to a show at the church after i'd been on tour for six months would 
be a lot more bearable if I would go and I'd bring, you know, like a six pack with uh, me. It's um, fun. Drinking is so fun. Drinking, and that's the thing is that drinking is fun. But as and, far as the integration of it in our lives can go both ways when you don't want to do it. So absolutely. Like, uh, like, even like our band definitely gets, I know for a fact we will get paid more in certain cases than another band who would draw the same amount of people because the in uh, the people who book it at the venue know that our fans are sales. going to drink so much. Yeah. Uh, and that's just part of the, the, the vibe and part of the of what we created and yeah. what we are. And you guys are great drunks. I Thank you. I, I really say, appreciate you know, that. Yeah. There's the uh, times you wake up and you have the hate me's and you're like, oh my God, what did I say? That's, an- that's another thing that... And you um, never say anything and that's that, stupid. Yeah, like I remember... I've... Very rarely have I ever, like, quote-unquote, like, blacked out. But there was one that I can specifically remember where the only reason I knew that I went to the bar was I woke up and I looked at my bank account, which is another thing that I don't miss doing. Yeah. Uh, is, like, the morning bank account look. And you're yeah. like, fuck, what did I do? And I saw, like, a charge for, you know, the old bar. And uh, I was like, I don't remember being there at all. I wonder what I did. Did I like fight someone? Did I say something really fucked up that I normally wouldn't have said? And I went in, so I went in to, you know, start drinking again. And, <laughs> and so, and I went to the bartender. who's like the usual bartender there. And I was like, was I here last night? And he was like, yeah, man. And I was like, did I say anything fucked up or do anything fucked up? He's like, no, you talked to some guy about, about like colds and viruses for, <laughs> and about how like colloidal silver works. And then you gave me a really big tip. And then you called a cab and you went home and I was like, okay, that's fine. But you know, I don't miss, I don't miss that at all. Yeah. Um, I just uh, read a side note, read that you don't actually, uh, forget from mm-hmm. drinking. You just lose the ability to make new memories of those kinds. What do you mean? Like the, instead of like blacking out and forgetting what you did, you just don't remember ever in the first place. Cause Whoa. the alcohol stops. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked up. Well, yeah, going not by the neuroscience, but by the, uh, I guess poetic implication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, so... So, yeah, those fears of drinking, those were... Uh, uh, some of my main issues of taking this break are uh, also the habit and the ritual, which we just touched on a bunch. Yeah, you know, so like, the, ha- uh, the, habits, the habit's the hard part. Because um, you're like, oh, I have a drink, at, especially on tour, where you get to a place and then there's, in our case, a uh, massive amount of alcohol available, yeah. which is great. It's awesome. Um, but it's like, okay, well, I have one at this time, at this hour before the set, because I know how it'll respond this way. Yeah. I'm going to see this friend who I only see once a year, so we're going to have a shot. And I have a beer here. Yeah. Or even this uh, 90 days coming up, I have. Oh, we're going to be on weddings. tour. We're, we're going to be, be on tour, tour during, So we'll yeah. see, how, see how that goes. It'll be great. You know, like yeah. I've done tours so before. It's not a big deal. Uh, missing weddings, my birthday, close friends' birthdays, yeah. vacation. It's like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. So what are you hoping to get out of the. Uh, face those things that have been drowning out with the alcohol. Mm hmm. Uh, become better at. I really want to do way more podcasting, which the most reason cool. that I don't do podcasts is because of uh, the social kind of fear behind it. Yeah, there's a lot of times where there's a bunch of guests who I've asked to come out and haven't scheduled it because uh, I just get like nervous at the last minute and yeah. we'll get drunk and then be like send an email and not, yeah. and not do it, not cancel it, but just don't don't schedule it. Uh, so that's a big one. And also, I want to feel better. I uh, gained a, 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 some weight this winter and didn't take care of my body. Mm-hmm. We spent so much time writing and recording the, the newest record that it just got... Oh, yeah. You go into, like, hibernation mode. Yeah, I got into, like, hibernation mode. So I'm just trying to get a little clear. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. All of those things are have been so... None of them are easy to deal with, to yeah. begin with. But so it's like... 
do you want to climb up a mountain with a backpack or do you want to climb up a mountain with, you know, a car? You know, like, yeah, you want yeah. to carry, what, how heavy is this thing that you want to carry? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, like, it's always going to suck and it's always going to be hard, but it becomes so much easier when you're not carrying a fucking tr- truck on your back, you know? And totally. so there's, but yeah, it's, my experience has been that it's definitely been worth it. And like a lot of times people, I forget, I think that maybe me and old Joey were walking around center city the other day and he asked me, he's like, do you think you're ever going to drink again? And I, I like, don't know. Like I don't, there's never been a part in that, like in that year and a half or however long it's been that I've been like tempted or been like, man, I really, there's like two alcohols that I missed the taste of and which, which Fernet Branca uh, and tequila. Just of like, course. Yeah. So like if, if anybody listening mankind. has any kind of recipe for some sort of non-alcoholic <laughs> Fernet Branca, probably just like toothpaste. And, yeah. Toothpaste from last Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like I missed those tastes, but not enough to like, you know, get back into it because like I said I have no moderation so it wouldn't be a one time thing totally and I know someone is going to be much, I should probably should have gotten more uh, research before doing this podcast with you about that but apparently there is strict science to suggest that some people can't turn it off yeah you know, so when you start the faucet flowing like you know there's somebody said like hey doctor said how much do you drink and he said what are you getting all of it like you've got to drink <laughs> anything until it's gone and I've been in that situation so many times always been the last one up um and yeah, I just feel like maybe there is a, a, a some kind of physiological reason why it's like can't turn it off. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's like an fortitude. Act- yeah. <laughs> I'm just tough. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's like, I mean, there has to be like some, and I can't really describe it. Like, you, I just literally, and that's the other thing. For as normalized as the drinking was, you realize that like when you go like slightly out of your friend group, and you, and you're like, oh you know, everyone's fucked up. They've each had six beers and they're like calling it a night. And I'm like cracking beer 19. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just like getting started. Like, let's do like the moderation has never, ever been like, I don't think that I've ever like, even with lots of, with lots of other things, you know, like if I'm gonna, if I want to read this book, I'm going to read every book by that author. If I, you know, like, yeah. it's just like, I have very little self-control when it oh. comes to like quantity. Yeah. Of doing I, I love that about you. And I love that about myself. You, yeah. gotta, you get into something, you got to go hard. Yeah. You know? so you it can, can be either... really annoying to everybody in your life and everyone around you. You talk about it too much. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you got to like see what, squeeze every last bit out of it. That Absolutely. You because we don't know what happens when you die. Exactly. You know, and this might be <laughs> yeah, the only go around. We were discussing that before the podcast, our, yeah. uh, uh, what happens when we die. So, you know, there is something to be, you know, as, as small script ankle tattoo cliche that says, you know, like a little carpe diem about, you know, just like really go for it. But uh, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, I also like know what it's like to be fucked up. Like I feel like I've already experienced yeah, totally. that part well, of my life. Well, we've been life. having this entire conversation. I keep having these mer- memories bubble to the surface or come screaming to the surface <laughs> of times when I was too hungover to do something. Times where I got super hammered, it was extremely dangerous. And they're I've romanticized them, and they are kind of a little bit romantic. For sure. But you realize, like, hey, man, I could have. Yeah, fucking died. Things could have gone way. Wor- I could have that night that I blacked man. out at that bar. I could have gone and. 
fucking fought someone or like hurt someone, you Walked know, like in front of a bus. Exactly. Passed out in the snow. Yeah. So I think that there's, I definitely know that for me, again, it'd be the worst way to go out. If you died because you were hammered, can you imagine yeah. that? You're like tying your shoe on the subway and you fall so and get em- run over by a train. It'd be so embarrassing. Oh yeah. I hope that someone would lie for me. Yeah, like I'd, 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 I'd lie for you if you'd it, lie if for it me. Came like, nah, he wasn't drunk. He was he saving a kid stuff. off the tracks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that I think that every while it brought like a whole new set of challenges that came along with you know like not putting a band aid on a gunshot or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would never, I wouldn't change it. I don't regret it at all. And like while it's become more complicated than I thought it was going to be. It's just like, my life's going to be the same. I'm just not going to be drunk. Uh, it's not as simple as that. But there's like so much more, uh, I have so many more resources now to like approach those problems or to like, you know, just like try and feel better about anything is so much easier without that little thing like screaming in the back of your head. Yeah, we touched on it a little bit before we started uh, the idea of perhaps that kind of self-destruction or that kind of like um, alleviation of complex thought as I always kind of looked at yeah. it. Like I get drunk and then I don't longer, it's emotionally changed but I also don't, all of the thoughts that I have that aren't that deep feel so much better. It's like yes. you have all these kind of like 10 cent realizations in a well-lit bathroom and some fucking yeah. bar. Um it, it, it it's like numbing, I guess would be the way to it put is it. It is numbing and it's numbing a lot of stuff that uh, I think that a lot of people don't I'm not like patting myself on the back or anything, but it's a dumb it's so much easier as someone who's done both, it's so much easier to to not deal with all of these like deep seated issues that you have. Yeah. And the mainly that conversational voice. Yeah. So it's like that voice that kind of stops and you start to realize and people always said it when I was younger and I was, I wasn't able to make the correlation and be like well, you drink that much because you hate yourself. And I'm like, no, I drink that much because I fucking love, love drinking. Fun, yeah. Yeah, I love hanging out and fucking raging and shit. It's the best. But then you start to realize, well, maybe there is a reason. Because if, if you look stepped at it from a, a point of logic, it's like, well, logically, I'm not going to feel good after this. Yeah. Logically, I know it's not good for me. Not good for you uh, at all. Logically, I know. We, we used, the, what was the analogy? You were talking about taking out the trash or things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, well, why wouldn't I care about myself? Yeah. Uh, you realize that. Maybe there is a deep-seated voice that's like, well, I don't deserve to feel that way. Or, uh, For sure, yeah. And, like, I think that... Uh, maybe I mentioned this before, but, like, Amanda is a great example of moderation. She's honestly the best person I know. She's, like, super considerate and responsible and caring and, like, just, like, the coolest. But uh, yeah. she, I think, had a really... And not from a place of judgment or anything. She just had a hard time... Uh, like understanding why, why, you know, maybe it was, it was either with drinking or smoking or one of the things that I would do that would really just like, there's no, there's no way this is good for you in the way that you're doing it. Yeah. And it, and I think that like I flat out had to tell her, it was like, it's because I need to do something that's bad for me because there's something wrong with me. Like I hate myself yeah. and I don't have to think about it when I'm, cause like when I would get drunk, I would be completely, I would just be like impervious to having to think about all of that shit. And then it's like, now that you're not, yeah, I totally still hate myself and I still <laughs> totally still have to deal with all that stuff. Yeah. But at least, at least now you're in theory, inevitably dealing with it. 
Yeah, and I am, you yeah. know, like, and it's stuff that it's, it, and I will say this though, dealing with it and going to therapy and bringing up old shit that you don't want to think about and like all like the stereotypical therapy things that you do, it sucks and it's painful and it hurts. None of it is as bad as a hangover. Yeah. Like none of it is ever as bad as, because within the hangover, you, you, not only do you physically feel like shit, but then you also like emotionally, you know? Yeah, it's almost like that little that little demon Satan version of yourself inside of your mind just gets a stronger grip every time you get yeah. really hungover. It really kind of just for sure lays into you. I yeah. uh, been do- so I, I went to therapy when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I had uh, and I was put on some like medication and stuff like that. And I'll save all that whole story for another podcast, I think, or I won't. I mean, but, hey, uh, I've been I've been on all of them. You, you tell me, yeah, right. You <laughs> tell me what I've probably been on it. But I started going again a couple of years ago, and it sucked because you have to. I had to find a couple of different people, so I was like, yeah. you think you, you look at it from a medical point of view, where you're like, oh well, I'll just go to a doctor, and the doctor yeah. will fix my fucking broken toe or whatever. Uh, no, not the case. You have to find it's because it's no, so subjective and like vibey, and sometimes I realized I needed a reset because I wasn't. I, I, I portrayed a different version of myself to the first person. Super that I was easy, to. so easy to do, <laughs> like, and like I'll even fall into realize that. that they couldn't do their job because they didn't. Have fun. Yeah, I'll yeah. fall into that with like my current therapist sometimes, where I'll be like, you know, it's so hard to be honest, and then it's. I mean, maybe it's a stupid pride thing that I need to work on, but then the next week I'll go in and I will just like describe that I'm feeling the exact opposite way that I did the last week. And yeah, she'll kind of like get the deal. It's like okay, like. You know, like you were aiming for some like self-preservation there or, you know, some kind of thing. But yeah, therapy is so fucking hard to do. And I think that a lot of people, it's not, it's somewhere in between, I think, what you're talking about where it's like, if you have a broken leg, of course you're going to go to the doctor. Yeah. And so it's like, yes, it does serve such a purpose of there's a problem that needs to be fixed. And, but it's definitely... Not like if you break your leg, you're not going to go to the first fucking doctor you can see. <laughs> um, but yeah, go, finding finding the right therapist is so difficult. And I'm lucky that I think I've been with this same therapist for two years or maybe longer than that, maybe okay. three years at this point. Um, I don't say anybody out there who's looking to do it, uh, the advice that I've given to a couple of friends that have sat down with a laptop and been like, I'm here now. We're going to look at this up together because if you don't fix it, you know, you're going to lose the people close to you and, you know, you're going to get fucking fired and all kinds of shit like that. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see my friends all fucked up. But uh, I'll go to uh, Psychology Today or psychology.com. The Psychology Today magazine has a great resource where you can search with every type of um, filter that you would want, any type yeah. of like uh, 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 attribute. By insurance, by location, by distance, by gender, by specialization, by age, and mm-hmm. you can really kind of uh, figure out somebody that you could really you would really want to work with. And if you don't have insurance, I'd say that the Affordable Care Act, well, it's you know depending on which state you're in, yeah, uh, either blows or um, is more expensive than it's than it's worth. I'd say check it out at least. Yeah, and I found mine on, I think it's called Good Therapy. And then also, if we could throw a link, I can't remember the name of the website right now, but there, uh, after we're done this, I'll look it up. There is a, uh, 
website that you can look up therapists that only do sliding scale and do like reduced rate. Nice. I'm definitely going to put those in the, yeah. on the page on, on futurefriday.net for the, for the episode. Yeah. And it's, I mean, therapy, I think that it's one of those things that like you get out of it, what you put into it, you totally. know, like you can definitely have, when I was hungover, I would still go to therapy and basically just take a nap on the couch. Like yeah. just, just kind of like <laughs> mumble your way through it. And yeah, but I found the stigma around it too has been difficult, especially, so this is just my experience with the stigma. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I have friends there now who still would are like, yeah, what if somebody saw me um, coming in or out? I can't, can't have that. Tony Soprano vibe. Tony yeah. Soprano vibe, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, I re- immediately want to be like, well, fuck that. What are you, crazy? But then I realized, no, that's how I felt forever. And that's how like Same. some people's families will feel. You know, there's a there's a, the male uh, kind of aspect where you don't want to show any sign of weakness. any sign of weakness, yeah. And then there's also just like the overall stigma of that. And on that same side of the coin of not wanting to show any weakness, there's like the one where us talking about it going uh, would be like when when we talked about this before, when people can use this as an excuse for shitty behavior. Yeah. It's like, Uh, Oh, I'm in therapy. It's okay. Totally. Which I don't want to conflate all of that right now immediately, but it's just like, that's just some of the issues that I had while going to it. And I could say that I laid all of those by, Going. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you go and you can really, if you find somebody, you can really quite easily work out some of your problems and kind of unpack some shit in a way. There's a, there's this awesome show that uh, Beth Ann and I watched. I forget what it is. It was a, t- a show with time travelers where they were able to come back and they would um, take over somebody's body right when that person died. So there's like a 15-second window between the person's death and when a time traveler could jump into their body and they had to act like them. Damn. Super fascinating. There's like... Um, they had to come back and stop like all kinds of. It was like a sliders meets, um, kind of like I don't know, not Total Recall, but like it, it was. It's pretty sick. That sounds amazing. There's so, there's so many cool plot parts to it, but one of them there's a line where this guy who went back and was protecting himself from the other time travelers because he had used the time travel to become, um, you know, extremely wealthy. And, mm-hmm. Like there's which a I would to it. absolutely. Oh do. yeah, you fucking yeah. kidding me? I'd be yeah. like, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but he said he has a therapist and that's the person he talks to. He pays her an immense amount of money and he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm from the future, all this. And she's like, I don't believe you. And he's like, he says the line, he's like, ah, the psychotherapy, the ultimate 21st century arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I guess, you know, you used to go to a priest or you used to have your For mentors sure. or you had sure. like a, more purpose and, and now you can, there, there's a whole, you know, decades and decades of, of work behind it to try to make people's lives better. And I mean, I do wish that there was, obviously I do wish that there was less of a stigma. I think that honestly, even if you're the healthiest person in the world, you'd benefit from going mentally, you'd benefit from going to therapy. Yeah. There's definitely even, evil even if some people giving kids like three year olds, ADHD medicine or well, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I have personally, I've not had, and as someone who's been on ADHD medicine for longer than I haven't, you know, have certain feelings about that. And I, for me, uh, psychiatry has been way less effective than just like regular talk therapy. Yeah, or I was turned off by a general practitioner gave me, listened to me talk for about five minutes when I was 19 or 18 and then gave me, uh, uh just signed up a, a psychotropic drug immediately after listening yeah. to me talk for five or 10 minutes. And I was like, I don't know about this. This is a little weird. And he tried to sell to me by saying that it would make me last longer uh, uh, sexually as well because yeah, it was like one of the side effects. It's fucking weird. Yeah, that's right? How do you weird. sell that to an 18? Well, I guess an 18-year-old is the only person who would be stoked about that. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, and, you know, immediately after he wrote you that prescription, he went into his office and the company that made him that drug just, like, gave him a car or some shit. Exactly, you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he but, gave him a car. But, yeah, I think the way that I like to think about it um, 
and I love my therapist so much. She's great. But uh, in, a, in a way, like, without trying to sound, like, heartless or, like, you know, not viewing people as all valuable and stuff. I obviously value her opinion. I value her time and her insight and stuff. But, like, there's certain things that are so much easier to say to someone that you know you're not going to have to, like, there's a, there's a value of being able to be open with your friends, which is super important. And it's a huge part of my life and the way that I operate, you know, like I trust the people around me and I expect that they can, and, and I hope that they know that they can trust me, but there's something about things that are just like really fucked up and specific that, you know, there is that like fragile part of your ego that doesn't want to seem weak or come off, come off weird or anything to the people that are closest to you. So you just, it's amazing that you can just pay this person to be like, I'm going to tell you this. You're not going to judge me because I'm not going to see you when I go play the show. I'm not going to see you on this tour. You know, it's like your job is just to like, listen to this, not judge me and be like, well, that's fucked up. Maybe you should think about it like this, or maybe you could try this. Um, so it's great to just almost be like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a dartboard. You can just like throw, yeah, totally. you can just like throw all the shit that you yeah, don't it's like. It's kind of absurd yourself. sometimes how effective it would be when just being asked a simple question. It's like, yeah, well this happened and this is how I felt about it. And they're like, well, why? Yeah. And that's like such a stereotypical thing it that you is. see in like, uh, you know, not the Sopranos or any of those, uh, uh, movies from the nineties, but it can be outrageously uh, effective because you can bypass your own emotional, lens into the situation that yeah. you're trying to deal with or that your life and have a, an outside perspective. I mean, it is it's like the, tripping too, you know, you, yeah. see, uh, you see your life from a different point of view and yeah. you can really figure out ways to make it better. And it really is like those, sim- from getting worse, I guess. those simple questions that as, as you know, like cliche as they are, they are, it's, it really is so simple and it's just like, well, you know, like I feel like this and you know, it really upsets me when this happens and it's like, well, why? Like, why? And it's just, you know, like, I'll gladly pay someone $150 a session to be like, yeah, even though that is the dumbest question that I could be asking myself, I don't, you know, yeah. like I have, I have enough hangups going on that I just, that I just can't in this situation. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, you're talking about the deepest, darkest traumas from when you were six years old. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. I do. My only, uh, my only thing that I do wish therapy was a little more like would be like, uh, like how it is in the movies or on Frasier or something where like, you're like, I had this dream and they're like, Oh, here's exactly what it means. And here's exactly <laughs> what you have to do with that. I wish there was a little bit more, more of that. Oh yeah. Like, if it was like a building block kind of situation, dude, like, so if it was good. way more objective, if it wasn't like, uh, you know, like if you were, a, if your mind was a car and you could just plug it into one of those diagnostic machines. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, and like the thing that my therapist always says is like, you know, like we're not robots and you're expecting your brain to, your brain always, like we were saying before, just wants to do this job, which is like, if there's not a problem to solve, it's going to find a problem to try and solve. And so, you know, like, it's so much easier when you have someone that's like reassuring you and telling you those kinds of things to like, you know, like forgive yourself and like take it a little bit easier on you and not have these expectations to try and make your mind like a brain or to try and make your mind like a robot. You know, like it's so much easier to, to, to be like, well, you know, like I'm not a robot. Like it's okay that, you know, it's okay that Tom broke a string tonight or something, or, something, or something like, I'm not, not seriously, but it's, it's okay that, you know, like you feel this way because of this, or it's okay that, you know, the million reasons that people go to therapy, but it, sure. it really is so much easier just to have someone remind you of these things that you know, that like the rational side of you knows, but the, 
the shitty part of your brain is constantly trying to like overpower by yeah being just like super regimented and the computer that it is totally and that and in that same uh rigid approach to like the deconstruction of it all um i had one a version i'd always had also was that i i looked at western psychology medicine as a hand in hand or byproduct of the sicknesses that i found in other parts of the world like we grew up came up in punk rock and you realize how excuse me often we're lied to and how often the systems that we employ keep drive people down and murder people mm-hmm. um in war yeah and, and all other kinds of horrible ills of society i just assumed it was like another part of that it was like well this is a non-spiritual for lack of a you know lack of a better word approach to a mental health problem it's like well you don't feel this way but you should be happy so here's this psychiatry specifically yeah here's this drug that will we don't know how it works but will we'll, probably make you happy yeah so but yeah and i've experienced that even with psychologists that i've had like i've gone through i can't even count how many psychologists i've gone and seen and the one i see now is like a straight up hippie like and is super fantastic like the only thing that she'll ever prescribe is she'd be like you should try reading this book like this book might help you out or like um i don't know just like really uh like i'm sure that she would feel the same way about a lot of the psychiatry industry yeah um I mean, it's incentivized to just pump. Yeah, for sure. And whatever they got going. I've, I definitely feel like that a lot about psychiatry, about how it's like part of like the, you know, like the bigger problem. And yeah. it's part also of not to disparage anyone. For sure. Who's taking yeah. Psych- Absolutely. Like you got working for them. Like, you got to hey. find what works for you. And for years they've helped me, you know, like, yeah, um, totally. But right now I just, find, I'm just like, I happen to be in a place where, uh, like, you know, talk therapy and stuff like that is more beneficial, but yeah, if you're Smoking on medicine. weed, bro. Yeah. You got to try CBD. I can't, I can't do the pot anymore either. Yeah. I, I used to be able to do it like crazy. I used to be able to smoke pot it. and go to a party and talk to people. Remember that? Yeah, or, or smoke pot at the party or yeah. when you smoke so blunt. Yeah. Ooh, that was a good time back then. But yeah, that was a great time. Yeah, I, I got to say I'm back on the pot. They got me. I, I had a little bit of a I only smoke weed in my house kind of thing going for a while, but now I'm like. I'll occasionally. I can go out. Very rarely. I struggled with uh, drugs Almost not at all. Like, but uh, alcohol was like always the the big thing. Which is funny how we keep it separate. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah, they're all they're all the same. Yeah, like, wow, okay, what's the difference? What is weed to uh, alcohol is to cocaine? Like, what's why would Absolutely. weed and cocaine it's, be besides the, uh, the 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 governmental branding? We'll call it for sure. Uh, yeah, isn't that so weird yeah. that we're you know that one you can go buy in a store like right and, there yeah i live sandwiched on one end of the block is a state-run liquor store which in pennsylvania you have to buy spirits and wine well you can buy wine at a grocery store now spirits from a, a state monopoly corrupt monopoly mm-hmm. which is another, whole, whole, that's another, another podcast. whole another podcast where we tear down the plcb yeah and then the other side is a bottle shop full of beer yeah and then so you can go buy that if you i can a, go buy that and drink myself to death in probably 20 minutes yeah or you can have well maybe an hour or you can have, you know, two grams of Coke on you and then, you know... Go to jail for... Depending on your skin color, go to jail for either the rest of your life or for, like, 15 years, you yeah, know? like exactly. So... You brought up a great point talking about cocaine one time while we were pumping gas. And oh, I was shit. really hungover. Yeah, I was hungover. We were pumping gas. And you were like, yeah, I just don't need to for all those people on the border of Mexico to die so that I can drink six more beers. Yeah, it kind of... I mean, I never, I never really got... Uh, 
I've I've only done cocaine like a handful of times. Yeah. And yeah, it is fun, but I was just like, fuck that. Like, it's yeah. not. I mean, everybody's a fucking asshole on cocaine as well, too. There's no like. Terrible. Maybe not necessarily act outwardly as an asshole, but everybody's just like, it feels fucking great. Yeah, you feel like a god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you just look, uh, I mean, you just sound like a, a dick. It's so obvious. Yeah. Like, and especially since I've stopped a lot of, you know, like, oh, I was going to. I'll come back to the pot thing, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, it's so obvious. Like it's so like with drinking, I kind of like, now that I don't do it, I'm kind of like, Oh, you look a little fucked up. Like some people are more obvious than others, but, uh, with cocaine, it's like, you are about as subtle as a fart in church right now. Like there's no (laughs) way that you can hide this. This is, it's so obvious, but yeah, with the pot, I don't really, I don't really fuck with. Can we that call much. it the pot only? I, yeah, I don't know why I do that. It's great. I love it. It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I have a rule that if I'm gonna do it, I'm like, I'll smoke this weed with you, but I'm reserving the right to immediately go to bed and say nothing. Just like get up and walk away. And I think that's fantastic. That's gonna be my exit. But yeah, that's uh, it just it has less of an appeal to me now. Um, just makes me paranoid and. Yeah. Just think about like shitty things. Totally. I like uh, now that I got a medical card, which I don't know if you heard, but so uh, I, I got to tell this story real quick. Roger and I went to a joint doctor's appointment. Um, actually, I'm not going to tell the whole story. Wait, same room, same time. Same room, same time. That's First gotta and last, be probably. violating HIPAA. I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I was very prepared. I have a, a, a back pain my whole life, mm-hmm. and after a couple injuries, one of which you were there for at the the uh, oh, accident yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had all my medical records together and went in and got a medical card from this outrageous doctor who I think it takes freaky people to make shit turn like that, you know? For sure. So I give him, give him a, a pass for sure. Even though he's did some fucked up shit, I'm just like, I don't, I just, whatever. It takes, it takes, yeah, great takes a good. wild child to get that kind of shit yeah. done. And he, the greater good, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I got a, a, a email the day before I just flew to the UK that was from the Pennsylvania Department of like, Health, and, Health and Human Services that was like, hey, just so you know, your doctor has been decertified. Oh, <laughs> no. no. Issue medical marijuana cards. Jesus. Yeah. But it oh. is really funny, the whole experience of going to a, a dispensary in Pencil- in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania. You walk in, and it's you're getting medicine, but it's not a medicine situation. Yeah, it's, it's not medicine It's a West everyone, Coast yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like, but antibiotics being, will hit everyone the same way. Exactly. But, like, you here's know. your Z-Pack. Yeah. And it's like, well, the, 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 the pinnacle to me was the time that I went in and asked for one thing, and they gave you something different. If I asked for something that was very low and psychoactive, and they, uh, gave, you... and they gave me one that was very, very high. Ooh. And I was like, I could have just went home, and this could have, like, fucking wrecked yeah. my time for quite a while. Yeah, you that's, know? Like, that's wild. I do – I love the uh, I love the idea of your doctor being decertified. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Dude. Shout out. We'll have to cut this my part man, out. Dr. Roman. But uh, – but... you and I used to go to the same chiropractor. I'm just going to bleep the na- – which, which part should I cut out? I mean, maybe the whole thing. I don't know if that's an active investigation. Because cutting out the video, I'm not good at it. Okay. <laughs> I will cut it out. It's okay. going to take me so long. I mean, just just put like a funny sticker or something over it. <laughs> yeah, I can do um, that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Ian and I used to go to the same chiropractor and... I like stopped for some reason, but then he got fucking raided because he was like, he was like embezzling money. Like he was like in charge of some like city planning board or something. And he like embezzled like millions and millions of dollars. Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, if you're a 
if you're a politician, chiropractor. Yeah, absolutely. The easiest doctor to become. You should probably cut that part out too in case there's any chiropractor listening. Then you just get real pissed. Yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah, that whole medical marijuana as like a new medicine. I mean, it is medicine. I mean, I back it. doesn't it. replace all medicines, of course. And there's some right now some people making some seriously audacious claims about uh, CBD and THC. But I will say that it has drastically helped my life uh, using sure. certain CBD products for sleep. And reduction in anxiety and just like feeling good. Honestly, like I think that when it comes down to it, like you just got to find what works for you. If like, I don't know if you have headaches and jumping on a pogo stick helps, I'm not, yeah, fucking do oh, it. Totally. Who cares? Like there's the whole thing with the placebo effect and how it's been growing over I the last couple of decades. I just listened to a whole thing about the placebo effect They're talking about that shit? Yeah. yeah. It, dude, the placebo effect sometimes is like 20, 30% or something like that. That it works just as good as the fucking drugs sometimes. They said that they, for a specific kind of uh, arthritis, like a knee, I think it's arthritis in the knees, that they went as far, this doctor went as far with this experiment to do placebo surgery. So he would tell people that they went under and they didn't. He would put them That's, under. And he, it worked? He, put, he would put them under, he would make the incision, and then he would watch a video of the surgery being performed. And he would even say, like, hey, hand me the scalpel, hand me this, you know, like, at the same time. So that if the person wasn't fully under and was, like, sort of still, like, in, like, the hazy in between, could still hear him. And so it would take the same amount of time. And he said that, I think that he said that the results were the same. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Even if they're close. Yeah. It's like, fuck. That's what I always think. I saw this documentary a long time ago back when uh, uh, you could first watch videos online and shit, like, 2001, Mm. 2002. When I went down rabbit hole of every single conspiracy theory possible, every type of you? like no. me, no, who would have thought that? Yeah. Every single like uh, anything that was fantastic or paranormal seeming, or whether there was some kind of like secret, I loved that shit. Anything that yeah. was like you know it's great, all that kind of mystical stuff. But there was one about hypnotism, um, and I might be conflating it with a, a documentary about Sirhan Sirhan, mm-hmm. uh, who um, was a guy convicted of shooting Robert. Uh, Robert RFK. Mm-hmm. And so they took this person and they hypnotized them and they took a nickel and they told her, hey, this is, this is, they said, hey, this is, no, they <laughs> told her that it was really, really hot. Uh, it was burning her skin. They had it on there. And then they, under hypnotism, had done that. And then when they removed it, her body had formed a circular second degree burn with blisters Damn. on her leg. And it's like, well, your body, your mind or has your subconscious mind has control over your body in that regards and like yeah imagine it's if you so could powerful. Harness, harness that someday yeah that's crazy yeah I pretty fucking wild I just wrote down that I'm gonna try to find it and put it in the show notes so hopefully I'll yeah. do that send me a link to that that sounds awesome um, yeah dude we'll come over dude we'll fucking dude. take so much CBD and watch the <laughs> hypnotism documentary are you anti CBD no I just uh, I recently I love CBD it just helped yeah. me out for so many years um, it's just sometimes you see. There's a place around the corner from me open called CBD Tanning. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It seems like it's getting a little out there. And I think that uh, it, it, I'm a little bit worried because of the way that the FDA treats it, uh, or sorry, the DEA, uh, that you're going to get a lot of people that are cat. So they're trying to make it so you can't have it in certain places, and they're raiding all these kinds of lines. Yeah, what's the, what's the legal status of it right now? Confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 
fact that people are selling it as a cure all for a lot of things. I think it's like replaced coconut oil as yeah, like everyone yeah, like tinctures of people being like, well, yeah. I don't have to go, you know, I don't need this actual medical help or my child doesn't need this actual medical yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's like and it's like, you know, it's fun to hate on trendy shit. Absolutely. Fucking hey, I, I deleted my I deleted haters. my fucking Instagram. Fuck that. Your shit. Instagram's I hate, gone? I hate, I hate I hate the trends. How am I gonna tag you when I post this? Thing? I mean it's just deactivated. I can come back yeah, whenever. Of course. Well, yeah. Right. A little I got my parachute. Yeah. Um, How do you get a so? What, back to the drinking thing for a second. Yeah, yeah. What, what, so, we could probably cut out the last the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, no. What? Uh, <laughs> what? One of my fears is that my social situation. We touched on it briefly. Mm-hmm. Is that no one's going to like me because I'm not drinking? Yeah, I don't know how to do. I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with that one. I yeah. feel like I feel. Uh, I guarantee you that. People, if you decide to stop drinking for whatever length of time, people are probably not going to view you any differently. Like, and, it, and it's taken me a while to understand that. I think uh, you're going to feel less included in things. Like, you're going to get like some FOMO, and you're going to get like. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think that really, for me at least, all the things that you thought were like, and of course there's exceptions to this, but a lot of the things that you thought were these like meaningful, huge, deep conversations you had at the bar probably really weren't that deep or meaningful when you think about it, because exactly. you probably were just repeating yourself and talking in circles and having like the bag before. It's like the, some of the thoughts you have that feel so good to have, or some of the realizations that feel so good to have. It's because the other depth of your consciousness yeah. isn't there. And it's just like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I was trying to think of an analogy for it, but it's honestly the best one is like trying to have a super deep conversation when you're drunk, you know, like it's not, <laughs> there's no, it's, 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 it's kind of fleeting and definitely not as deep as you remember. So I think that like, there is like that FOMO and it's like, Oh, and there's such like a romantic, a romantic, romanticization. Nice. Mm. Nailed it. Did I? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, of, uh, of like, you know, the, the beautiful conversations you have at the bar and stuff. And like, yeah, like I, like I miss it. Like, of course I miss it. And, um, I'm still like trying to like crack the code of being like, how do I feel like, and a lot of the answer to it is the way you crack the code is by fucking dealing, dealing with the real issues, which is like, how do I make sure that I like feel like included? How do I make it clear to people that I, that like, I still value them, even though I've kind of like withdrawn from a lot of social situations, um, because to me, there was like a few months where I'm like, everybody hates me. Nobody wants to hang out with me because I don't drink anymore. And everybody thinks that I hate them and that I'm like better than them because I don't do this anymore, which is like, none of that's true. You know, like 0% of that is true. Um, so it took me and it's still taking me like a long time to figure out the the best way to approach the social thing. And, you know, like just like get coffee with people shit like this you know like this is really fun yeah you know like and and hopefully somebody who's having some uh issues dealing with their own consumption of alcohol will take away a little bit of um self-confidence from it i hope so you know and i think that or we just sound like judgmental pricks i I noticed that the first like three days you know i was talking about this with roger the other day the first like three days off of drinking you're at a bar with your friends and you're just looking around like the king upon high the the righteous uh 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 leader of the seven the guy from game of thrones the, yeah i only feel the high like, sparrow i only feel like that 
uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you do see, you do see uh, people act certain ways when they're drunk, and you kind of, I kind of get quick to forget that I definitely have acted like that or worse. And you're kind of like, why is so and so being such an asshole right now? And it's like, wait a minute, you were definitely that asshole, and you were definitely so like yeah, it is millions of times. Yeah, you don't, you don't. I never want to feel like I'm riding a high horse and kicking drinks out of people's hands. But I, yeah. you know, like, uh, I mean, it, I'm going to go back to being a drunk probably for sure. Hey, case, I might so too. You never yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. know, like the, it, it all could happen, but, uh, I definitely think that you'll find more, uh, for me, it was, it was the actual just stopping of drinking was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. It's all the, it, the social thing is the number one issue that I've had where, yeah, so the actual like you know the taste that that kind of stuff isn't that that's that's that been thing. that's been so easy. There's nothing more me. I like that one of the main reasons I started this podcast. The penultimate is that uh, I loved to drink beer on tour or whatever mm-hmm. or not drink and just sit. But it usually took drink for me to get the courage to do it and then ask people about the idiosyncrasies of their where their culture and where they came from and the place even whether whether it was st louis or it was uh, prague yeah you know like what whatever these kind of like neat little things that see what we make our commonalities and our differences what what the human part that remains there and uh that's my favorite part about drinking is you just sit there and do that that's what yeah. everybody just does yeah i mean it's it's but it doesn't have to be it's a tradition as old as people you know like yeah. the yeah so the, there are I wonder what it is that might be existing that prevents us just from doing that, besides the fact that you're a total weirdo. It's almost like the drinking yeah. is an agreement that you're both going to talk like that instead of like For sure. running it's into like somebody who contract. stares at you in the eyes a little bit extra long. And, you know, you're like, yeah. I don't know about this guy. Why is he, what's he trying to fucking <laughs> sell me? What's, she what's trying his to, end game? What cult is she trying to get me to join, you know? Yeah. And I do wish that there was a, a social contract that existed just without the alcohol part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh yeah, I think that like the ability if I had the if I had the ability to drink in moderation, I'd do it all the time. And yeah. I'm not saying that like, you know, even if you have a problem drinking and you're not ready to stop, you're never gonna stop until like it's your Yeah, I think we've kind of been operating under the auspices that everyone else who drinks just has to drink as much as they can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. People are like, What are they fucking talking about? I love having yeah. a glass of wine with my with my husband and And that's the other thing is that you realize that like for as much of as and like that statistic you brought up for as much as that kind of like binge drinking is normalized within you know a lot of music scenes that's probably not how like the majority of people like that's not the relationship that most people have with alcohol no yeah um and i want like i know that it would have happened anyway but i do wonder that if like i'm almost grateful that it was like that because then i stopped now as opposed to if i had like really started with moderate drinking and then built up and then you know 10 years from now i'm 40 and i'm like okay now i have to stop drinking yeah which i think would only probably be harder for me exactly way more those extra years is ritual yeah but yeah i think if anybody listening wants to get help uh definitely check out those resources that we put on the show notes as far as finding a talk therapist and as far as quitting drinking it seems like you're kind of putting it out there that it can be easier than you think it's going to be it can be easier than you think it's going to be. You got to, uh, and this is all my experience. You, so you like, got to show up. You, you got to you gotta just do it, you know? Um, and I know that it's really hard and not everybody would have an easy time just doing, just like stopping. Um, but if you really want to stop, yeah, visit one of those 
websites and you know like i'm sure that you have someone in your life that gives a shit about you and you give a shit about just talk to them about it and just like you know be open be honest and yeah that's that's all i really got on oh it. yeah thanks nick yeah thanks so much for having me bud. yeah dude thanks for coming on this was amazing yeah. i feel uh, i feel a lot better about Do you? coming up yeah cool i'm stoked awesome yeah i mean you great. look great just looking at like i know color yeah. you're like I, look, I, do. <laughs> I do look good thank you thank you so much yeah dude thanks all for right. having me Hey, thank you so very much. Uh, if you have any guest requests, please hit me up on social media or shoot me an email. It's tom at futurefriday.net. That's tom at futurefriday.net. Uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Um, before I go, I would like to say that if you feel like yourself, you might need a break. If you're just thinking that, then you, you, you probably do. Um, check out the episode's webpage at futurefriday.net. We post some links and reference some of the things that we used to help ourselves in the past. Uh, and I encourage you to do what is best for you and those who you love. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.